Welcome back to Fight Night with Fred. I'm your host, Fred. In the last episode, we made our fight predictions for UFC Fight Night at the Apex, which was headlined by Raphael Fazeev taking on Matus Gamrot. You know, this was a really solid card. Um, I went 3 for 5 on my predictions last week, putting me at 7 for 10 total, and honestly, I'm not too upset about that. You know, as I've said multiple times on this podcast, the UFC is the most difficult sport to predict what happens. And, you know, 70% for that, that's not bad at all. So, on the two fights that I got wrong, what happened? Let's take a look here. For the first one, I had Ricardo Ramos winning. Uh, I thought that he was going to beat Charles Rodin. You know, I thought that Ricardo was going to be the more technical guy. I thought that he was going to take him into the deep waters, you know, tire him out, and then in those later rounds really win and just win by decision. However, Charles Jourdain, he ends up winning that fight by a knockout, and that's exactly what I was afraid of. I remember looking at that fight, analyzing it for the show, and I just remember saying to myself, okay, if this fight goes the distance, Ricardo wins. If someone is either knocked out or submitted, Charles wins. And that's exactly what happened here. Charles won this fight. And you know what? Props to Charles. He's a very dangerous guy, uh, extremely entertaining to watch. And, you know, I bet against him there. That's on me. But anyways, props to Charles for winning that fight there. And then the one that really did break my heart, however, that was Rafael Fazeev. You know, you just hate to see that happen to someone, especially in a main event of a pretty decent card up until that point. You hate to see a freak injury that just stops the fight. Um, For those who didn't see it, Fazeev threw a leg kick in the second round, and then Gamrot used his elbow to check the kick, and then boom, Fazeev tears his ACL. And you just hate to see it, especially to a guy who is making the top guys in the division put in that work, okay? Fazeev's a dangerous man. He is a dangerous man in the most entertaining division in the UFC to date. And... Honestly, I'm just really hoping for that quick recovery. You know, Fazeev, he is in his 30s. Um, I know that some people, they've really been saying like, oh, he should retire. But he says that he wants to keep going. He says that he wants to keep going. I'm going to cheer him on no matter what. Um, I'm really just hoping for a speedy recovery there. Moving on, however, today we're going to be taking a look at my five favorite fights on this next card, which is Fight Night at the Apex in Las Vegas. I know, again. But this one is on October 7th. And we've got some fun fights on this card. I mean, granted, it's not as fun as this last card that we just had. However, it's not a complete bust either. Okay, we've got some young talent here that's really going to be defining positions of the UFC moving forward. But we've also got some old heads on here. We've got some veterans. And I'm really excited to take a look at what happens. You know, there's a few guys where it really seems like they're fighting for their careers this Saturday too. Okay, you got guys like Eon Kudalaba. He's back on the chopping block along with Alexander Hernandez, which, I mean, it just always seems like he's on the chopping block at this point. But we also have Bobby King Green, and he's coming off that win against Tony Ferguson, and I promise you, we are going to be talking about both Bobby and Tony soon. I promise you that much. Now, how does this work? The way that it works is I take these five fights that I care about. Well, I care about all of them, but my five favorite fights, and then... I'm going to just dissect each one, okay? I'm going to analyze the fighters. I'm going to make my predictions. And I'm also going to give you guys some gambling advice, okay? At the end of the episode, we're going to make a parlay. And, you know, today we're going to make the money that you lost last week, all right? Or at least that's the goal. Now, every odd that I use here is through Caesars Sportsbook. 
up until the end, which I'll get into that. I promise I'll give you a heads up. But the reason why I use Caesars is it's used by most of the big media outlets for odds. However, let it be known that all odds are subject to change and not all sports books carry the same odds. Without further ado, let's get started. Okay, so for fight number one, we have Alexander Hernandez taking on Bill Aljo. This is a very, very fun fight. This is a banger. All right, I'm using it. This is a banger. Alexander Hernandez, he's moving back down to featherweight, which is extremely interesting. Okay, first of all, he's coming off a very poor performance against Jim Miller. And even before that Jim Miller fight, he fought at featherweight, and then he lost in embarrassing fashion by Billy Quintillo. And he was finished in that one. And even before that, we've seen him get finished by guys such as Drew Dober, uh, Donald Cerrone back in the day. And, you know, Alex, he's just a tough guy to analyze. Okay, he's an extremely good fighter, but boy, oh boy, is he spotty. Okay, he has a cycle of looking like a championship-level fighter and then looking like a dud just a few fights later. And, you know, he has some really impressive wins under his belt. Okay, Benil Dariush, the guy who arguably should have a title shot and then he just has some losses where you just look at him like what were you doing now alex is a very good athlete he's got very good ground game and he's a strong man okay he's got those power he got power in those hands he's fast but he can really struggle to utilize his wrestling and you know he's coming off that previously mentioned win against jim miller but uh, i don't know He's taking on Bill Algio, and Algio, he's fast-paced. He's got that karate style. Um, he has really solid defense, and he averages about six strikes per minute, according to his UFC webpage. He loves a stand-up war with his opponents. His takedowns, they're not the best. However, he has incredible cardio, and that man is durable, okay? He can take some damage, and he will keep walking you down. Bill, he's coming off a very big win against TJ Brown. He knocked him down and then submitted him. And Algio, he also has a very good chin. In that last fight, we saw him eat some bombs, and he just kept going. You know, Algio, he has the height and the reach under control. And, you know, he is the older man. He's 34 years old. But I definitely think he can catch Hernandez with a big punch. I really do. You know, this is really hard to predict, honestly. It is, because Alexander Hernandez, he just keeps jumping back and forth between divisions right now. And granted, that is great for his bank account. I support you, all right? Get your money up, not your funny up. However, for those of us who are trying to gauge this fight, it's not all that great, okay? Alex is getting older. I mean, granted, like I just said, Bill does have the age on him. However, Alex is getting older, and you can see it in his fights. He is seeming sloppy. You know, if you watch that Jim Miller fight, he just looks out of it. He does not look like he wants to be there. It either looks like he had a terrible training camp, or he's coming off an injury, or he just wants a bag. And for that reason, I think I have to go with Bill Algio here, okay? Looking at the track record of Alex, he chokes in the big fights. And, you know, Algio's quick, he's durable, and he's reliable. So, I have him winning this fight, so I'm taking him at the minus 145 odds. Moving on, we have Felipe Lons versus Ion Cudabala at light heavyweight. So, Former heavyweight, Felipe Lons, he, when he moved down to light heavyweight, he brought his power and his experience with him. And, you know, he's got a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. 
He loves watching people down, and he just takes advantage of his striking skills. He just came off of a win by, um, by decision. And honestly, in that fight, it wasn't a fight that you really want to brag about, you know? The wrestling on there was pitiful. His takedowns, they were just, they seemed so forced. And, you know, it really makes me question the fight IQ there. It really does. You know, he was throwing some stuff where I was kind of just confused. Um, and, yeah, like, his stats from that fight, they look very pretty on paper. However, when you go back and you watch it, it's really not something you should cherish. And I'm also a little bit concerned because we've seen numerous times that when the heavyweights move down the division, they really tend not to do all too well. Um, they almost seem to be moving in slow motion against their opponent. Now, Q Bella, he is a grappler with very impressive power. Um, he does have a very questionable chin, however, and with that, he also loves getting into brawls. Now, he is the definition of a feast or famine fighter, okay? He's primarily going to be looking for that stoppage, either by a knockout or a submission. However, there's always a pretty good chance that he gets himself finished while doing so. He has really solid ground game, but normally it's just ground game. And, you know, most of the time, his ground game, like, it's just by pure strength and not overall technicality. Um, you know, this guy is like the complete opposite of Adesanya on the ground. Um, eh, that's a pretty poor example. Imagine Khabib, but just not a good wrestler and just incredibly strong. Yeah, that's a lot more accurate. Anyways, um, Eon, he's coming off of that big upset win against Tanner Bozer. And this fight is, again, pretty hard to pick just because it's Cutabella we're talking about. All right. He's a dangerous fighter, but he also gets finished left and right. And he's on the chopping block. And really, if he loses this fight, I don't see him sticking around. Okay, Felipe has a durable chin. He throws solid leg kicks. But at the same time, I just, I don't know. You know, I I think I have to go Qtabala here. I really do. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with him for a few reasons. A... He loves those brawls, and he's going to chase that finish. He's going to. Um, I think that he can take advantage of... I really think he can take advantage of Felipe on the ground almost. I mean, yeah, he's going to try and land those big shots, but I can see him going to the ground trying to get a submission. Okay, we saw last fight that the fight IQ is not always there for Felipe. I think that Qtabala is going to get lucky there. He's either going to get lucky or he's going to plan this. Or he's going to try and do this and get knocked out in the process. However, I'm going to ride with him. I'm going to take Qtabala here to save his UFC career. Um, he's the favorite at minus 155. This fight is honestly a lot closer than that, I feel like. If I was making the odds, I'd probably put it around... I'd probably put him around a minus 120, maybe minus 130 if I was feeling generous. So... You know what? I'm going to take him. I'm going to take him, and we're going to roll the dice here. Moving on, we have Alex Morano versus Joaquin Buckley. So this is a sneakily good fight. This is a very sneakily good fight. This one's taking place at welterweight. Alex, he's a clean fighter. His striking is what he's the most known for, but that grappling, oh my goodness, it's slept on. It is very slept on. If you do not know who he is, just look up his grappling highlights. 
okay? Because that's something that they're not really going to show you a whole lot of. They're going to show you him throwing those punches on the ground, and he's going to be looking great. But if you want to see him look even better, look at the grappling. Anyways, he doesn't use the wrestling very much, but, you know, he's pretty solid overall on the ground. Um, in his last fight, he had a comeback win by submission over Tim Means. And, you know, this week, he's taking on Joaquin Buckley, who is a lethal striker. And he just loves to get things started. Okay, he starts things with a bang. Um, he has great forward movement. He's pretty good at cutting angles. And anyone who has seen him fight knows that he can pack some power into a punch. You know, he's been working on using takedowns and not always going for the home run of a knockout. Um, he used to be a middleweight, but... Coming off his first win at welterweight, that he won it by knockout. And now you can see that he's maturing. Um, you know, he used to be the kind of guy who just headhunt every opponent, you know, just going for the big knockout, trying to get guys in and out of there. But now he's becoming a much more balanced fighter. And it's for that reason why I'm going to be riding with Buckley to win this one. Now, let me be clear. Alex is an incredibly underrated fighter. And for a while, he was a guy who had that raw talent but just couldn't put the pieces together. But now, he's starting to put them together. Okay, you have to give credit where credit's due. He is starting to mature. However, I just, I think that Buckley has matured much faster. Plus, Alex's wrestling, it's pretty questionable. I can trust Buckley on the ground. I can trust him on the ground, and that is, that's key. I really feel like this is going to be a pretty strong ground matchup. Okay, both these guys have great striking, but I feel like Buckley's going to take him to the ground and he's going to bully him down there. I genuinely feel like Alex is going to get bullied in that octagon if it goes to the ground. So I feel like the maturity, the speed, and the fight IQ of Buckley, I'm sold. I'm sold. He is a minus 170 favorite through Caesars, and that's the guy that I see winning this. I genuinely see him doing pretty good tonight. Not tonight, Saturday night. Okay, now, next up, we have the co-main event of the card, Joe Pfeiffer versus Abdul Razak Al-Hassan at middle white. So, Joe is an incredibly dangerous boxer, and this man is known for putting the lights out on his opponents. In his last four fights, he has won all four of which by way of brutal knockouts. Um, you know, his last win being at UFC 297 against Gerald Mearshart. And, you know, his one knockout loss that he had in the UFC, that was probably one of the scariest knockouts I've ever seen. You know, it had potential to end Joe's career, but rest assured, it didn't. And you love to see it. However, the speed and the power in his hands are terrifying. Okay, he utilizes pressuring his opponents into making big mistakes, leaving them wide open for the head, and then boom, it's done. Okay, his takedowns, they're not bad either. He has decent Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And he's going to be taking on Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, who's a pretty powerful striker himself. However, he loves to headhunt, and he loves looking for that knockout. You know, he's got pretty good judo. Um, and he's starting to find that power in his fists. And since doing that, he's kind of moved away from the ground game, especially in recent fights. And, you know, he's got a pretty good tool set. It's just kind of sad because he doesn't always use them all, especially when you see that he should be using them all. Um, you know, he's coming off a pretty big knockout win against Claudio Rivero, and in that fight, he was losing the early exchanges until he started to wrestle. And the adjustments in that fight were incredible, okay? You have to give him credit. He's starting to learn. 
He's starting to. I don't think that he's learning at a very fast enough pace to win this fight. However, he's starting to adjust. So, you know, he's not doing too bad for a young guy. You know, he's pretty dangerous, and a lot of guys, they love to sleep on his abilities. However, I don't know. It's just the fact that he doesn't use his grappling and the wrestling as much. And, you know, he loves to... Like, he likes to just throw the big shots instead of setting up those clean, nice shots. And if you're going to do that against Joe Pfeiffer, I hope you have sweet dreams because you are going to sleep on the canvas. I really like Joe to win this fight. The only place where I'm a little bit concerned here would be the gas tank. And that's just because we haven't seen Joe Pfeiffer in a long, stretched-out fight. You know, this one actually has some potential to be a long battle. Joe, when he fights, normally he's out of there pretty early. But, I mean, if he makes it to the third round, is that power going to taper off? Is he going to look sluggish? Um, we really don't know, just because we haven't seen that in so long. Um, you know, I really think that Joe is either going to put Abdul to sleep early, or he's going to use that momentum early to carry himself to a win. And, quite frankly, that's why I'm going to take Joe to win this. You know, uh, just that power, and honestly, the fight IQ there. Uh, that's all I needed. Plus the fact that Abdul doesn't want to wrestle when he is an incredibly good wrestler. And the fact that he's not utilizing those tools. Like, yeah, he makes great adjustments in fight. Let that be known. He makes incredible mid-fight adjustments. But he's just not putting it together quick enough to be a guy like Joe Pfeiffer. And, you know, Joe, he's a minus 430 favorite according to Caesars. I'm going to pound that money line. I like Joe to win this fight. So give me Joe. Now, we are going to be moving on to the main event here. Grant Dawson versus Bobby King Green at lightweight. So, this one, it's been a little bit clowned on, okay? You know what? Even I've been clowning on this main event, to be honest with you. Okay, Grant Dawson, he's ranked number 10 at lightweight. And does he deserve to have a fight night main event? Yes. Yes, he does. He is a young guy. He's developing. He's doing great. I think he deserves it. Bobby Green, however... I don't think you deserve it. I genuinely don't. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I like Bobby Green. I like him. You know, he's a popular guy. But, dude, you're just coming off of beating an old man in Tony Ferguson. Okay, that man has clearly lost 67 pounds of muscle in the last few years. His skills are terrible. His slu he's sluggish. He's so sluggish and slow. And we're giving him a main event fight night against Grant Dawson? I don't know. I've seen better matchups, but that's just my two cents on the matter. Anyways, anyways, let's get into this. So Grant Dawson, he is an elite grappler. According to the UFC webpage for him, he averages about four takedowns per fight, and he's got great ground game. He loves to keep that pressure on the opponent by walking them down and then imposing his will. And, you know, he's got some technical striking. Granted, it looks hideous, but it's technical. It's technical. I can give him that. Um, you know, most of his fights, he's pretty much just the dominant grappler and wrestler. In his last fight, he had a dominant performance, and he was the underdog, you know? But as the underdog, he had three takedowns and 12 minutes of control time. Bobby King Green, however, is his opponent, and, you know, Bobby's a pretty interesting guy. He's pretty interesting to look at. He's got a few knockouts, you know, but most of them are from volume strikes, and just TKOs. He has that one-punch power. We've seen that one-punch power before. 
But, you know, he's just a really busy striker with incredible volume. And, you know, he's got a little bit of a showboatish stance. You know, he likes to keep his hands down, almost begging to be hit. But, with that being said, he has pretty good defense. Okay, he has a 74% takedown defense according to his ESPN webpage. And, you know, like I said, Bobby, he's just a jigsaw puzzle piece that, quite frankly, I do not know where he goes. Okay, from 2017 to 2020, he had amazing wrestling as a backup plan when the striking wasn't working. Okay, from 2017 to 2020, he had 16 takedowns. Take a wild guess at how many he's had since 2020. Not a single one. Now, this makes him extremely one-dimensional for a fighter such as Dawson to prepare for. Okay, all that he needs to do is prep the stand-up game and then you've got him beat right? I mean, he's not going to take you down. You might have to prep the wrestling, but you don't need to worry about takedowns, right? And, you know, it just, it really makes this fight that much harder for Bobby. You know, when you fight like that, like, I get, you know, do what you're good at, but at the same time, you need to mix stuff in there. That's where the dangerous fighters are made. You know, that's what keeps the guys just wondering what you're going to do. And, you know, it's for that reason that I'm going to be betting on Grant Dawson to win this fight, and I don't think it's going to be close. I mean, yes, Bobby Green is going to catch Dawson pretty early with a few strikes, okay? He will probably just be hitting there, smacking the head around pretty early, you know? But at the same time, I feel like Dawson's grappling game is going to be way too good for Bobby, okay? If Bobby used his wrestling more, and if he had that one-punch power, I might be a little on the fence about this fight, but that's the issue. He doesn't have that one-punch power. We haven't seen it in a little while. And he doesn't use the wrestling or the takedowns like he used to. You know, if this was 2020 Bobby Green versus right now Grant Dawson, yeah, it'd be a great fight. However, that's not the case. That is not the case in the slightest. We have an up-and-coming fighter who will most likely be in the top five within the next two years at least. And then we have... You know, then we got Bobby Green, who realistically has about five to six fights left in the UFC, if we're being real. I cannot see Bobby Green making a push for the belt anytime soon. I think that ship has sailed. That ship, it's gone. It's at the bottom of the ocean by now. It's, it is the Titanic, okay? It's gone. But Grant Dawson, he actually has a shot to be something. And I understand throwing him... A fight like this because he deserves a fight night main event but Bobby Green Bobby King Green we could have done so much better with this one anyways enough of my little rant there I'm gonna be taking Grant Dawson to win this as the minus 420 favorite now let's take a look at our parlay here currently we're over two on parlays and you know I have to apologize to not only all of you but I need to apologize to myself too, okay? Look, that's $2 I just lost on my sports book. That could have bought me a 12-pack of ramen, okay? So this week, I'm embracing my inner MJ and I am making this personal, okay? This week is the week that we make a profit. So, let's take a look at the Caesars odds first. And, you know, this is for the people that use Caesars as their sports book and then we're gonna look into Fliff, which is the one that I use. So, going through Caesars, we have Bill Agio at minus 145, Q as the minus 150 favorite. We have Buckley at minus 170. Joe Pfeiffer is the minus 430 favorite. And then Grant Dawson coming in at minus 420. 
That's a five-leg parlay. Comes out to be plus 574 odds, which that is the safest parlay that we have ever made on this show. So if you're going to put a dollar down, which I highly suggest, you can win $6.74, okay? I don't know if that's still a quarter pounder at McDonald's. It used to be. But, I mean, hey, that's like six Arizona teas. So consider it. Consider it. Now, I'm moving over to Fliff now. That's a sports book that I used to place my bet today. I put a dollar down on this poor leg. This is what we got. We have the same thing. However, the odds changed a little bit. Bill Algio, he became a minus 155 favorite. Um, Qtabala jumped up to a minus 160. Buckley, he became a minus 185. Pfeiffer, he soared up to minus 485. And then Grant Dawson also became a minus 45 favorite. That puts us at a plus 499. So that just took the title of the safest parlay. And that's what I got my money on. You know, uh, when I put a dollar down, I'm going to win $5.99. So go me. I highly suggest following my advice there. Now, in the last episode, before the sign-off, I went over some UFC news, and I had a pretty good time with that, you know? So let's just take a look at what has happened in the last two weeks and just dissect it a little bit. The first thing that I want to talk about is Israel Adesanya. You know, he must have been spending a little bit too much time with my favorite fighter, Johnny Bones Jones, okay? Because he just pled guilty to a DUI charge. Now, this is just inexcusable. Okay, like I said, John Jones is my favorite fighter. It was inexcusable for him, and it's even more inexcusable for Izzy. Okay, everyone knows Izzy as you know he's pretty much the face of the UFC right now. You know, guys like Volk, um, Oliveira, Islam, like you know, those are the guys that we're looking at right now. And Izzy clearly, you know, Dana White he loves Izzy. Almost more than he loves Connor. Okay, you know what? That's a little bit of a lie. But anyways, he is the poster child right now. Okay, he's on so many different brand deals. You see him just publicly at every single UFC fight. They will mention him everywhere. And he's going out and doing this before a fight against Sean Strickland for the title. You can't be doing that. And, you know, a lot of Izzy fans, they're going on about, oh, this is why he lost to Sean. I don't think that we should do this. Like, you know what? No, I don't think that we should be blaming his loss on his DUI. But instead, let's help find ways for Izzy to move past that DUI. Okay? You know, let's try and rehabilitate him. Let's show him like, hey, you cannot do this. But we want you to grow not only as an athlete, and as a part of the brand, but we want you to grow as a person. We want you to mature. So that's how I feel about it. Uh, we haven't heard anything about how this is going to affect the timeline for his next fight. However, I do know that Uncle Dana loves Izzy. So expect to see Izzy fighting pretty soon, possibly in that title rematch against Sean. I really want to see him fight Duplessis. I want to see, just because of that DUI, I want to see him fight Duplessis for the next title shot. I feel like it's pretty fair, especially after slipping up that bad. Now, we have two major fights that I'm extremely excited about, and both of which are bangers, both of which are going to be on UFC 296 in December. We have Wonderboy Thompson, who is taking on a very dangerous fighter, and Rachmanov. Yes, yes, I am so excited for this, boys. Okay, look. I've been waiting for this one for a minute. This has been 
a dream of mine for a little bit. Whenever me and my buddies play UFC, this is the fight that I will just, that's the one that I ask if we can do. You know, Wonderboy, he's ranked number seven at welterweight, and he's slowly making his way back into the title picture. And you love it. Wonderboy is one of those guys that it's almost hard to hate. It's just almost hard to hate. I mean, yes, is he corny? Yes, very. However, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. However, Rachmanov, he is lethal. He's 17-0 in MMA. He's ranked number six in the division right now. Oh, my goodness. I am so excited to dissect this fight, guys. I, I know that you can't see me, but I've got the biggest smile on my face thinking about this. Um, I'm honestly going to start doing research now just because I know that I'm really going to need to take my time with this one. Now, the next fight that we have is going to be Patty the Batty taking on Tony Ferguson, again at 296. And, you know, I've never been more excited but also more terrified to watch a fight. We are watching the new generation take on the old generation. You know, I feel like Uncle Dana's trying to do what he did with Sugar Sean. You know, throw him the easy fights to build him up to championship status. Because it worked for Sean. It worked. But, I mean, against an MMA goat like Tony, I, look, if Tony goes out and retires against Patty Pimblett, of all people, I will cry. Okay? End of the story. Now, look, granted, Tony, this is probably his closest fight that he's had in a little while. Okay? You know, I still don't know if I see him winning it quite yet. I need to do a little bit more research. But Tony's on a six-fight skid streak. You know, I really don't see him going much longer. I know, you know, today in an interview, he said, oh, yeah, I've got a few fights left in me. Tony, I frankly believe that you don't. I mean, granted, you know your body better than I know your body. You know a lot more about fighting than I know, okay? You are one of the best fighters to ever do it. But I really think his time is limited. I really do. And, you know, Patty, he's not a bad fighter, but oh my goodness, is he annoying. And if I could see El Kukui come out and blow sand just one last time and take out Patty the Batty, I would be the happiest little boy ever. Christmas would come early for me that day. Oh my goodness, I would be so happy. And on that note, let me just take a second to tell you how freaking excited I am for UFC 296. Okay, now, like I said earlier, we've got some bangers of cards coming up. Okay, we got Islam versus Oliveira 2. We got John Jones fighting, which is probably going to be his retirement tour, sadly. But 296 is going to be the best way to end out the year for the UFC. This has been an incredible year filled with upsets, a lot of belt changes, um, just incredible cards overall. But this is the one that I'm most excited for. Okay, we have Leon Edwards finally fighting Colby Covington. Finally. I've been waiting this. I've been waiting for so long. I just want to see this happen. We have Pantoja versus Roy Val. That's going to be a blast. And, you know, I love the movement in that division right now. You know, finally seeing someone that isn't Brandon Moreno or Figgy fighting for the belt. We don't need Figgy Moreno 8, 9. We don't need it. I'm tired of it. Yeah, they're great fights, but oh my goodness, give us something else. And we finally got something else. So I'm pretty happy about that. 
You know, then we got Wonder Boy taking on Rachmanov. Tony, he's going to get me emotional no matter what happens. And Ian Gary is even going to be on that main card. Okay, that is five bangers in a row. And quite frankly, I think this is going to be the this is going to be card of the year. I really think it is. You know, I thought that it was going to be um, that card that we had the BMF fight on, you know, um, where we had Gaethje win by a head kick. Derek Lewis threw a flying knee. I thought that was going to be card of the year. I'm wrong. Again. You know, I really think that's going to be 296. That's going to be a great way to put a cap on things on 2023. Now, with all this being said, that's all that I have for you for this upcoming card um, and the upcoming nudes. Thank you so much for joining me on this ride. I hope you have an amazing weekend. Go out, have fun, tip your server, and Godspeed.